Grace Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. to invite my mom up this morning. And so Diane Spencer, my mother, is going to be bringing the word. Um, We have been going through a series uh, for the last four weeks. This is part four called Through Her Eyes. And we've had different women from our church body sharing specifically about women in scripture who had an encounter with Jesus. And so I'm excited that my mom is bringing the word this morning. She's, she's my, my literal biological mother. Um, she's my spiritual mama. She's my mom on every level. Um, you guys will see this morning a lot of uh, the giftings and stuff the Lord has placed in my life are directly from her. Um, she's a great communicator. I'm not setting the bar too high for you here. Like, all this praise. She's going to do a great, a great job. So can we pray for her? And can we pray for ourselves um, that we would receive what the Lord has for us? So, God, thank you for my mom. I just want to honor her. Um, Thank you for the blessing of parents who love you and who in turn um, have loved me well. And so I'm grateful for my parents. I just want to honor them. Um, I want that blessing of a long life. So I'll take that as well because you've promised it. Um, But no, Lord, thank you for my mom. I just want to honor her. And just pray that um, in all of her preparation, spending time in prayer, spending time in the word, Lord, that now you just allow this to come forth, everything you've placed in her heart. Uh, Give her the words to speak. Holy Spirit, be present and move through her. And Lord, we pray for ourselves this morning, that we would have minds to hear and understand, hearts to receive. Um, God, we don't want to just be encouraged. Lord, we want to hear something we can apply. And so, Lord, would you help us to walk out what it is that you're speaking into our hearts this morning. We love you. And Jesus, we commit our hearts to hear your word today. It's in your name we pray. Amen? Amen. Love you, Mom. If, if you're a mom of grown children, you just take that opportunity to hug your son. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Sometimes I just come in here on Sunday mornings and I seek him out and just hold him for a second <laughs> because that never, ever goes away. So anyway, I just, and I want to thank um, I want to thank my son for this opportunity on behalf of the women of our church for the month of July. I think there's probably not a lot of pulpits that give women a month of Sundays to speak from their heart. And, you know, Jake, is was it God that gave you the topic through her eyes? I mean, isn't that a beautiful thing? Through her eyes. And so, you know, we've been here, this is the fourth week now, hearing from just beautiful women from our church. And when you stop and think about the size of our body, to have that many women that have a call of God on their lives to speak the word of God, and there's more women in this body than than those that you've heard from. And so I'm honored to be among these beautiful women that have stood up here every week and have talked like... To me, like through her eyes is a couple of things. It's through the eyes of women in the scripture 
But it's also through the eyes of the women that are bringing the word of God from the scripture. And so I think it's an aspect um, of the body of Christ that is a beautiful thing that we all need. Because when we stop and think about God making Adam, right? And then from Adam, from the rib of Adam, he made Eve, he made the woman. And so they're complete, what, when, when, when they're together, And so this is just a beautiful piece to be able to look through the scriptures, look through women in the Bible, see the kind of things that I think, even though each woman is unique, I think there are some very close similarities um, in the women of God. So let's just stop and pray a moment, and then I'll, I'll attempt to give you what I believe the Holy Spirit has given me. So God, we just thank you for gathering in your name. Thank you for the love and the unity of the believers. Um, God, it, it was occurring to me as I was preparing to come up and the nervousness that tries to come in that the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. And God, when I look around here, I see friends and people who love me. And I never thought about that before. But when we are afraid, we can go to the body of Christ because perfect love casts out fear. So thank you for that. Thank you for the word of God this morning. I pray, God, that you would enable me to give this word out the way I feel like you've put it inside of me, Jesus. And so I know without you, I can't do anything. So I'm just asking you to be with me, to be my mouth this morning, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so... I asked some friends of ours here if I could use a little testimony of theirs this morning, and Will and Natalie were gracious. Is Natalie even in here? (laughs) Tending to a child. Okay, see, this is what we do. (laughs) And they were gracious enough to tell me yes. So Will has had a unique experience in the last several weeks after Natalie had their last baby to have something called maternity leave. When I had kids, we never had that, right? Your husband might get a week, and then, and then they go home. But, Will, how much time have you had off? Six weeks. I, think, I just think that's amazing. And so one morning I was talking to Natalie after church, And she just said to me something I just thought was so true and profound was that through these six weeks, Will has, I had this opportunity to see through Natalie's eyes what it is to raise tiny little children. You know, the exhaustion of it sometimes. And then the joy that comes from those little children and the emotions that are high and low and sometimes all in a one minute's time you can have all of those things happen. But now Will is going to be able to come home in the afternoon and have a new perspective of where Natalie has been the last eight hours, you know, without him. And I think that's a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. So this morning as we look into the Word of God, I pray, guys, that the word of God will bless you through the eyes of women and will become, you know, a part of you. So um, I'm going to be looking um, and exploring a common response of women 
when they have had a radical encounter with Jesus. So the scripture text that I'm going to be springboarding from this morning is something that, I don't know, I guess really from the time that I came to Christ, I don't think I could read these scriptures without pausing and looking at them and thinking about them. But I don't also believe that I've ever spoken on them before. I think this is the the first time. Um, But if we can put up Luke chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3, and you're going to see up there KJV. Does anybody know what that means that are younger? (laughs) I cut my teeth on the King James Version. Then after about maybe 15 years, I I moved myself over to the new King James Version. That was a really big step for me. And then when I came here and Jake became my pastor, which by the way, he is my pastor in every way, and he uses the ESV. So guess what? I have an ESV Bible, and I have been reading this now for six or seven years. But this particular passage I just have to go back to the King James Version because of of some particular words, you know, that stick out to me and speak my language there. So Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, and it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. So first of all, who who were these women in this passage? So we say Mary Magdalene, that the very first week Kristen Pinella spoke on her, that she had had seven demons cast out of her. Can you imagine the torment of that woman before she had this touch from Jesus? And then, you know, Kristen just, if, go back and listen to these if you, haven't, if you haven't heard them, but she just gave a beautiful message on our identity in Christ and how Mary Magdalene was completely transformed. And then we see here Joanna, the wife of Chusa, King Herod's steward. Isn't that a thing to stop and think about a minute? King Herod, his, his steward, which means his manager, his wife Joanna was among these women. And it says Susanna was there and, and many others. And so what was the thing that these women had in common? The thing in common for every single one of them is that they were touched by Jesus. They had encountered Jesus somewhere on the road in their life. And this encounter did what to them? It so radically changed them that they stopped what they were doing and they started following after him And then the Bible says they they went further than that. They didn't just follow him like the disciples did. (laughs) They ministered to Jesus from their substance. So this word ministered, it touches me kind of in a big way when you stop and think of what that word 
actually means to minister. It means to attend to someone and wait upon them. And it even means like menially, like lowly and humbly, and to the point of a lacking dignity. Think about Mary of Bethany. Think of the humility, as Crystal shared last week, that it took for her in front of all of those people to let her hair down and pour oil, ministering to Jesus from her substance, right? So it also means um, to minister to him or wait upon as a host, okay? So welcoming, again, into your home or ministering to him as a friend. We can stop and think about, you know, the longer that we walk with Jesus. Maybe at first we're just so grateful for the touch. We're so grateful for the peace. We're so grateful that the demons are gone. We're so grateful that our sins are forgiven, right? But along the way, we begin to host him. We begin to invite him into our homes. And pretty soon, you know what? We find out we're his friend. And we see all that in this little verse of these women. It says, and many others. It names only three. But there were many others. And I am one who am content to be one of the many. We first see this word ministered. And by the way, the, the word ministered in Greek is diakoneo, which where we get deacon or deaconess. So we get, you know, that word of ministering. Sometimes we go and throw these titles on things, and sometimes it almost takes the meaning away. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because anybody who is ministering in the name of Jesus to others is a deacon or a deaconess. So we first see this word, though, in an interesting place. It's in Matthew chapter 4, and Matthew 4 is all about the temptation of Jesus. And so we see, you know, the three major temptations that he goes through, and we have to remember he was hungry. You know, he was man, flesh and blood, had not eaten for 40 days, 40 nights. Satan comes when we're weak. How many know that? And he comes, and, and that's when he brings his, his hardest, his biggest temptations is when we're vulnerable. And we know that Jesus, you know, through the word of God, because Jesus is the word of God, he was able to defeat Satan at every turn. And so Satan left him. But Jesus is weak. Jesus is tired. Jesus is hungry. And the Bible says in Matthew 4, 11, that then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. And have you ever just kind of wondered what that looked like? I have. I mean, I've read that and I thought, what did they, like, what did they do? I, they knew how to meet the need, right? Do you think Jesus was ministered to when those angels showed up on the scene and ministered to him? Well, the same exact word is mapped over to all these women that followed Jesus wherever he went and ministered to him, served him, waited upon him. 
Um, the Cambridge Dictionary takes the word attendant and it says someone who is present with another to help them. To help them. And so it's not just, Jesus, I'm, I want to minister to you. Do you realize when you're doing that, you are helping him? You are helping him to fulfill what he wants to do in this world. And he's invited us to come alongside of him and attend, attend him and help him in it. Now, I want to look at the word substance, and this is the reason why I picked King James. Um, the King James Version, verse 3, says, of their substance. And I also like the ESV. It says, out of their means, okay? So this word substance in, in the Greek means things in hand. It means your property, your possessions, the things that you have. And, and this other uh, ESV says, out of their means. And so we need to stop and think about that a minute and say, you know what? No two people are alike. There's not anybody in here that has the same exact means or substance to minister to Jesus as another one. It's all different. You know, we look at Mary Magdalene. What did, what did she have to bring? You know, she had a great love to give to Jesus. The scripture says in Luke 7, which is just before Luke chapter 8, there was a woman there, maybe the same as Mary of Bethany, but, but maybe not. It says she was at a man Philip's house or Simon's house. That's where she was, at Simon's. And she broke an alabaster box, and she anointed Jesus' feet with oil. Costly. That cost a lot. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, she maybe had material wealth. You know, her husband was the king's manager. I suspect she had wealth in her hands. But what about all the others? You know, what about the widow with two mites? If we can look at Mark 12, 42 through 44, where Jesus says, And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. I love Jesus so much because he is not at all concerned about the amount or value or abundance of what you have. All he's talking about is bringing what my substance is. Like to stop a minute and, I mean, just maybe even look down at your hands. I mean, Allison had us looking at feet. <laughs> if we could sit there and, you know, it was embarrassing. <laughs> I think I won't exactly go into it, but you can ask Mary about my feet that particular Sunday morning. 
<laughs> but I'm only asking you to look at your hands. And I mean it. Like right now, take a moment. Paul, hold your hands out and look at your hands and consider for a moment and, and just, Lord, what is my substance? What is my means? I mean, Jesus said in his word that our lives are not measured by the accumulation of goods. Just begin to, like, quietly, you know, this week be asking the Lord, what do I have that I can offer to you? I looked up Google, what is a man of substance? You know what it you know what it told me? This is what Google told me. Oh, a man of wealth, someone with great material wealth. I can honestly tell you, I've never thought that in my entire life when I have thought of what is a man or woman of substance. What do you think of? I want to hear some of you. What do you think of when you hear man or woman of substance? And character, wisdom, loyalty, right? Integrity, that thing that makes you and I who we are will make us a man, woman, or child. Can I see children a second? children of substance. The Bible says even a child is known by his doings. Did you know that? It's in Proverbs. Even a child is known by his doings. A boy, girl, young person of substance. What do you have to offer the king? What can you bring to his table? What can you think in the morning Simple things that we can offer him. Love, a phone call, right? Whatever you do to the least of these that you have done unto me, the Bible says. So I felt like God wanted me to just only touch on this. I'm not going to labor the point. But when, when Jake first asked me to be part of this series, I had an entirely different topic. I mean, I told him what it was and everything. And as some weeks went by, I was kind of trying to put it together. I just felt like God said, no, I want you to teach out of Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. And this was, you know, totally before Lord's Chapel came on the scene. And so then when it did, it was like, gosh, Lord, there's something, there's something to this. So I just want to share just a little tiny piece of my heart with, with my body here. Do you guys realize the holiness of this moment that we've been brought into? I mean, I don't know about you, but like I've walked with Jesus for 40 years, and I have never been invited into a sacrificial offering where God started it. I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't God's idea. Don't get me wrong, right? But, you know, it was like raising for a building. Let's raise money for a building. Let's have a campaign or, or whatnot. But you guys, God has given us this property. 
I can't even wrap my head around that. I've never seen that happen before, ever. And it's like he's inviting us into this thing. And he is asking us, like, will we attend him and join him in this and prepare a place for people to come? It's like we're already here, but he's wanting us as the body to join him and prepare a place for his people to come, to be born again, to hear the word of God, to grow in Christ, for their children to grow up in the Lord. It's, it's just, it's exciting, and it's holy all at, the, all at the same time. And so, you know, the, I know there's more to this than what we can bring as a financial offering. Again, we have talents in this room, right? We have giftings, talents, all kinds of things that we can all bring together to bring this, this project to a place where it's ready for Jesus to, to do what he wants to do. I'm just going to say this much, like, any time that Bob and I, um, my husband Bob, back there, have been at a church where there has been, like, a sacrificial offering, we have always, like, determined to take some time to pray and to just ask God, like, Lord, what would you have us to do? And you know what's uncanny, and I'm not saying this will happen with you like it happens to Bob and I, but not once have we not come together and had the same exact gift. It just kind of blows me away every time. It's just what God has done in our lives. So just invite you. You probably have already processed this, but want to just put that out there that we're invited to minister to God out of our substance in this. Okay. Where's the kids in the room? Raise your hands. I got something for you this morning. All right. All right, children. We're going to look at John chapter 6. And I want you to think about what you have to offer the king, okay? So John chapter 6 says in verse 8, now nah, we'll start in verse 1. We don't have it? That's okay. <laughs> um, John chapter 6, verses 8 through 11. Let me read it in my ESV, just in case. <laughs> no problem. I can switch over. Okay, we're going to start in verse 1. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was, would do. So Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. Okay, so guys, a denarii is about a day's wage, okay? Do you know what a wage is? That's how much your mom and dad make 
when they go to work, or it's how much maybe you make if you get an allowance. So Philip realizes that 200 denarii or 200 days worth of work or January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, like your parents would have to work from January through September. In other words, this is July 30th, 29th, 30th. They would still be working to try to feed these people because there were 5,000 men and who knows how many women, because ladies, we know women follow Jesus. There had to be maybe 15,000 women. <laughs> and we know where the women go, the children go. Huh. So, I mean, multiply that by four, five, six kids, right? And that day probably was. There's a lot of people there. And so, let's continue. And so, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said, there is a boy. There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many? <laughs> so imagine, he's got a little bit of bread. A little bit of bread. Two fish maybe still hanging from his pole or some kind of a stringer or something. And, you know, the, the apostles that are with Jesus for all this time, what, what good is this going to be? And what did Jesus do? He wasn't looking for something they didn't have. He was, Jesus wasn't saying, oh, children, wait till you're all grown up like your mom and dad, and then you're going to be able to minister to me. No. He took what they had, and he multiplied it. And he fed. We really don't know how many thousands of people that day. And that's the same Jesus You have plenty to offer. And I know many of you are already doing that. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, and this is King James Version, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. They ministered to him of their substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when Jesus says to you, what do you have? You might think you have next to nothing. Bring him your mustard seed of faith and watch what he will do with it. I love this quote. I don't know if any of you have heard of this man, but if you have not, write down his name and get something. His name is George Matheson. He was known as the blind preacher. He was blind. 
and he lived from 1842 to 1906. This man speaks my language. When I read something by him, it just pierces my heart. But listen to this. I really want you to try to absorb these words, and I'll give you this quote later if you want to like, take a snapshot of it. He says, we are doing more good than we know. Sowing seed, starting streamlets, giving men true thoughts of Christ to which they refer one day as the first things that started them thinking of him. Think about that. You know, Courtney, I think about you. You're like the church evangelist, sweetheart. I say that in the best and humblest of ways. I don't think Courtney goes anywhere that she's not sharing Jesus. It's just, you know, she's ministering to Jesus from what she has. What does she have? Goodness sakes. She has Jesus. I mean, gosh, guys, we need to throw out all our ideas of how we measure up. We need to just throw those out the Bible says, be content with what we have. I mean, for goodness sakes, Diane, you know? Stand up and realize you have the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he has given you some means. He has given you some substance. And it may be a little or it may be a lot. But it, he isn't looking at that. He's looking at the love that is coming from your heart as you minister from your means to the people that are around you. And that is what these women in the Bible did. They were ministering to him out of their means. Okay, I got one. We have just one more minute. I have one last thought that I cannot pass, and I wish that screen was working. But if you still have John 6 opened, and just take a minute, and let's look at, we read through verse 11, so we're going to look at verse 12. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples gather up the leftover fragments that nothing be lost. That is the heart of Jesus. Jesus doesn't waste anything. Gather the fragments. Think about that. Have you ever had to gather the fragments? I have. I mean, I'm not... There's enough people in this room to know that someone here is living on fragments. And I'm talking about the fragments that come from a broken heart, an unfulfilled dream or desire, broken relationships, those kind of things that leave a person feeling like, I'm barely breathing. How can I possibly give anything into the kingdom of God right now? And Jesus says, bring me the fragments. Why in the world would he have even thought about those that day? He had just fed, 
untold thousands of people from the loaves and the fishes that that little boy had, and he was thinking about the leftovers. He was thinking about the, the pieces. One time, Jake, I can't remember if you ever shared this in the pulpit. You may have. Years ago, I feel like we were on vacation in, in uh, the hill country. And a, a window in our car shattered. Have you ever seen, is it called plexiglass? Is it called plexiglass, Bob? Safety glass. Okay. Has, thank you. <laughs> Has anyone ever seen safety glass shatter? I mean, it is a bazillion pieces. Like, they're just everywhere. It's the most insane thing to behold. I had never seen it happen before. But I remember a time in my life when I felt like that was my heart. It was a season I went through, and I was broken. And talk about couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. I, I didn't even know where to begin, you know, to pick up. And, and I thought about that window. I remember thinking, that's my heart right there. I, I don't even know what to do with it, feeling like I was barely treading water. But you know what? Jesus is the healer of that broken heart. And Jesus is the healer of those broken dreams and those desires that you have. And he will walk with us and work with us and help us. But I promise you, one day, he's going to say to you, can I have that? One day, what is left of your substance, he will ask for. And I remember the day he asked me for it. And you know basically what he said to me? And you know, Jesus, can, you can get away with a lot. <laughs> when he says it, it's not scolding. You know what I mean? It's like there's such a tenderness to it that it's like healing. So please receive this as healing from the Lord. But he just said to me, Diane, this is your life. He said, it's the only one you've got. And he said, are you really going to stop living until all of this is put back together again? Or are you going to let me have it and start loving the people that are in your life. And at that moment, I'm telling you, the grace of God filled my heart, and I was finally, and I'm telling you guys, he doesn't make you shape up the day your heart's crashed. He's not like that. He loves us. He walks with us. He comes alongside and attends us, right? He ministers to us. There's days we minister to him, and there are days he ministers to us. But he will bring you and I, if you will cling to him. I, I, I have to say, there is that. There is that thing. There is your part. You just 
You just have to hold on to him. You just have to say, God, I'm here. I'm holding on. I don't understand it. I can't hardly breathe. But he will bring you. And when you get to that place where you can finally give him that substance, minister to him out of your sacrifice, isn't that what Jesus did? Goodness. His sacrifice, you guys. He laid it down. His own broken heart for you and me. And what did God do? He turned it around. And like Jake was saying this morning out of Revelations chapter 5, he took the slain lamb and he made him the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he can do that for you and me because we're his kids. And he is all about healing and restoration and redemption. And you know that other thing, it might come back around again. But you know what? You're okay. Because you've given it to Jesus and you have allowed him to come in and minister to you. So, in closing. I just want to honor these women in the scripture that followed Jesus and the many others in Luke chapter 8. And then we see them again in Luke chapter 24 where it says in verse 1, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day. Uh, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, who were, all, who were they? Mary Magdalene. Oh, there's Joanna, wife of Chusa. Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles followed him to the grave. And then one more scripture, Acts chapter 1. And when they had entered the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James, all these were with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women. I don't care that we're not named. <laughs> they were still there. You weren't going to get rid of those women. They had their lives touched by Jesus. And they followed him wherever he went. And they ministered to Jesus out of their substance. Out of what they had.
and I want to be there. I'm one of those women. You're one of those women, and men you can come to. <laughs> and we know the children are following. So let's just stand and pray together. Father, we, we hear your words, and we know we find ourselves in your scripture all the time when we seek you, God. And, and you know what, God? You locate us all the time. And I am one that is happy to be located. And I pray right now, we pray over our brothers, over our sisters, over the children, that you, Father, you have permission. Can we give him permission Father, you have permission, say it in your heart, to locate me. And God, I am yours. I choose and want and long and love to follow you wherever you go and to minister to you, Lord, out of my substance, out of what I have, all I have, I give to you. Because all you have, you gave to me. And Jesus, we just want to say thank you. Just say thank you. Yes, in Jesus' name, God, thank you. Amen.